Alright, so everybody knows how VPN services and ExpressVPN can protect your privacy and security online, right? But did you know that there are some secret hidden benefits to using ExpressVPN, like unlocking movies and shows that are only available in other countries? So if you're like me, you probably enjoy watching shows on Netflix, for example. Well, with ExpressVPN, you can unlock the UK version of The Office or Parasite from South Korean Netflix. Over a hundred different countries. All you have to do is change your location and refresh Netflix or whatever. Hulu, BBC iPlayer, YouTube, you name it. In fact, when I set it up for myself, I was surprised at how easy it was. It just installs and then loads up and works. And it works on more than just PCs, phones, media consoles, smart TVs, and so much more. So if you want to get access to hundreds of new shows, use my link right now, expressvpn.com slash ringslore, and you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. That's expressvpn.com slash ringslore, expressvpn.com slash ringslore to learn more. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome to the Lord of the Rings Lorecast, the show that explores the background of Tolkien's amazing world from the very beginning. I'm going to do something different on this episode. We're reaching the end of the formal story of Baron and Luthien. Of course, there are other details we can get into in future episodes and even next week. But with this episode, and I've said this, I don't know how many times now, Tolkien's words are amazing. Sometimes they're dense. Sometimes they go long into details about small things the way the the grass looked or the trees or the the water flowing down the river or whatever but in this section of the story i think his words are particularly clear and detailed and engaging so for the first half of this episode I'm just going to read you the rest of the story. Let it sink in, soak in it, enjoy it, and then we'll have the mid-break, and then I'll follow up with some stuff at the end. We'll get into some of the nitty-gritty details there. So I hope you guys enjoy this. And so 
the intro here has no background sounds, there's no environment, there's no music. This will be just the words, because they are so powerful just on their own. And I want, I want you to just to feel that. And quickly to set you up before we get into it, remember, Baron and Luthien just returned to Thingol, and he claims that he has taken the Silmaril, but it is still in his hand, which is still in Karkaroth's stomach, and they laugh about it, and Thingol softens. He sees that this is truly a man of character commitment, and that he and his daughter are truly in love, and so he allows them to wed. So Baron and Luthien find a, a brief moment of happiness, and then the story continues. But now a shadow fell upon the joy of Doriath at the return of Luthien the Fair. For learning of the cause of the madness of Karkaroth, the people grew the more afraid. Perceiving that his danger was fraught with dreadful power because of the holy jewel and hardly might be overthrown. And Baron, hearing of the onslaught of the wolf, understood that the quest was not yet fulfilled. Therefore, since daily Karkaroth drew nearer to Menegroth, they prepared the hunting of the wolf. Of all pursuits of beasts, wherefore tales tell the most perilous. To that chase went Huan, the hound of Valinor, and Mayblung of the heavy hand, and Belig Strongbow, and Baron Ercamion, and Thingol, king of Doriath. They rode forth in the morning and passed over the river Escalduin. But Luthien remained behind at the gates of Menegroth. A dark shadow fell upon her, and it seemed to her that the sun had sickened and turned black. The hunters turned east and north, and following the course of the river, they came at last upon Karkaroth, the wolf, in a dark valley, down the northern side, whereof Escalduin fell in a torrent over steep falls. At the foot of the falls, Karkaroth drank to ease his consuming thirst, and he howled, and thus they were aware of him. But he, spying their approach, rushed not suddenly to attack them. It may be that the devil's cunning of his heart awoke, being for a moment eased of his pain by the sweet waters of Escalduin. And even as they rode towards him, he slunk aside into a deep break, and there lay hid. But they set a guard about all that place and waited, and the shadows grew long in the forest. Baron stood beside Thingol, and suddenly they were aware that Huon had left their side. Then a great bang awoke in the thicket, for Huon, becoming impatient and desiring to look upon 
this wolf had gone in alone to dislodge him. But Karkaroth avoided him, and bursting from the thorns leapt suddenly upon Thingol. Swiftly, Baron strode before him with a spear, but Karkaroth swept it aside and felled him, biting at his breast. In that moment, Huon leapt from the thicket upon the back of the wolf, and they fell together, fighting bitterly. And no battle of wolf and hound has been like to it. For in the baying of Huon was heard the voice of the horns of Orome and the wrath of the Valar. But in the howls of Karkaroth was the hate of Morgoth and malice crueler than teeth of steel. And the rocks were rent by their clamor and fell from on high and choked the falls of Elskalduin. There they fought to the death. But Thingol gave no heed, for he knelt by Baron, seeing that he was sorely hurt. Huon in that hour slew Karkaroth, but there in the woven woods of Doriath his own doom, long spoken, was fulfilled. And he was wounded mortally, and the venom of Morgoth entered into him. Then he came, and falling beside Baron, spoke for the third time with words. And he bade Baron farewell before he died. Baron spoke not, but laid his hand upon the head of the hound. And so they parted. Mayblung and Belag came hastening to the king's aid. But when they looked upon what was done, they cast aside their spears and wept. When Mayblung took a knife and ripped up the belly of the wolf, and within he was well nigh all consumed as with a fire. But the hand of Baron that held the jewel was not yet incorrupt. But when Mayblung reached forth to touch it, the hand was no more, and the Silmaril lay there unveiled, and the light of it filled the shadows of the forest all about them. Then quickly and in fear Mayblung took it and set it in Baron's living hand, and Baron was aroused by the touch of the Silmaril and held it aloft and bade Thingol receive it. Now is the quest achieved, he said, and my doom full wrought. And he spoke no more. They bore back Baron Camlost, son of Barahir, upon a bier of breeches, with Huon, the wolfhound, at his side. At night fell ere they returned to Menegroth, at the feet of Hirilorn, the great beach. Luthien met them, walking slow, and some bore torches beside the bier. There she set her arms about Baron and kissed him, bidding him await her beyond the western sea. And he looked upon her eyes ere the spirit left him. But the starlight was quenched, and darkness had fallen even upon Luthien to Nuviel. Thus ended the quest of the Silmaril. But the lay of Luthien, released from bondage, does not end. For the spirit of Baron, at her bidding, tarried in the halls of Mandos, unwilling to leave the world, until Luthien came to say her last farewell upon the dim shores of the outer sea, 
whence men that died set out never to return. But the spirit of Luthien fell down into darkness, and at the last it fled, and her body lay like a flower that is suddenly cut off and lies for a while unwithered on the grass. Then a winter, as it were, the hoar age of mortal men, fell upon Thingol. But Luthien came to the halls of Mandos, where are the appointed places of the Eldalai, beyond the mansions of the west, upon the confines of the world. There those that wait sit in the shadow of their thought. But her beauty was more than their beauty, and her sorrow deeper than their sorrows. And she knelt before Mandos and sang to him. The song of Luthien before Mandos was the song most fair that ever in words was woven, and the song most sorrowful that ever the world shall ever hear. Unchanged, imperishable, it is sung still in Valinor beyond the hearing of the world. And in listening, the Valar grieved. For Luthien wove two themes of words, of the sorrow of the Eldar and the grief of men, of the two kindreds that were made by Iluvatar to dwell in Arda, the kingdom of earth amid the innumerable stars. And as she knelt before him, her tears fell upon his feet like rain upon stones, and Mandos was moved to pity, who never before was so moved, nor has been since. Therefore he summoned Baron, and even as Luthien had spoken in the hour of his death, they met again beyond the western sea. But Mandos had no power to withhold the spirits of men that were dead within the confines of the world after their time of waiting. Nor could he change the fates of the children of Iluvatar. He went, therefore, to Manwe, lord of the Valar, who governed the world under the hand of Iluvatar. And Manwe sought counsel in his innermost thought, where the will of Iluvatar was revealed. These were the choices that he gave to Luthien. Because of her labors and her sorrow, she should be released from Mandos and go to Valimar, there to dwell until the world's end among the Valar, forgetting all griefs that her life had known. Thither Baron could not come, for it was not permitted to the Valar to withhold death from him which is the gift of Iluvatar to men. But the other choice was this, that she might return to Middle-earth and take with her Baron, there to dwell again, but without certitude of life or joy. Then she would become mortal and subject to a second death, even as he. And ere long, she would leave the world forever, and her beauty become only a memory in song. This doom she chose, forsaking the blessed land and putting aside all claim to kinship with those that dwelt there. That thus, whatever grief might lie in wait, the fates of Baron and Luthien might be joined and their paths lead together beyond the confines of the world. So it was alone of the Eldalai that she died indeed, and left the world long ago. 
Yet in her choice, the two kindreds have been joined, and she is the forerunner of many in whom the Eldar see yet. Though all the world is changed, the likeness of Luthien, the beloved, whom they have lost. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I hope you guys are enjoying this story as the the text itself, just bare bones text words. And we're going to get into more details about that. But first, we've got to thank our patrons and welcome on board our newest patrons, uh, Rebecca. I'm not I don't know if I don't recall if I welcomed you back. Sometimes the dates kind of merge together. Uh, but if I if I haven't yet, welcome. If I have, you get a double welcome. And who just um, I'm maybe Eh, pronunciation not great uh huge p uh greg l john r or juan r maybe uh sheev palpatine which i don't think is a real person's name hmm uh so i'm gonna say the last name on that one uh kim jong will samisi i jesse p b h seth b and thomas h welcome 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 to all of you and uh, to all of our patrons, all 110 current patrons, thank you for your support. I couldn't do this without you. Because of you guys, I'm going to keep this going as long as I possibly can. And we have to welcome, or not just welcome, but thank you. Uh, words are hard, guys. Words are so hard. It's so much easier when the text is just in front of me, because then I just read it. Uh, <laughs> so thank you to our VIP tier patron. Patrons, patrons, I'm not editing any of this out because it's just too funny. Um, VIP patrons, the tier three highest level patrons who get shout outs every week. Brad C, Brandy D, Chris D, Esoteric Rage, Larry and Sheev Palpatine are man. I never thought I was going to be supported by the evil emperor from Star Wars. But here we are. Welcome to the Internet. Uh, thank you to all of you guys and to all of our patrons. You guys are amazing. If you if you are not part of the Patreon yet and you want to check out the ad-free episodes, the bonus episodes, there's a ton of bonus episodes at this point. If you've run out of episodes and you're just waiting for a new episode every week, it's a great way for you to have more stuff to listen to. Go check it out. Patreon.com slash L-O-T-R Lorecast. Again, Patreon.com. It's real easy. Slash L-O-T-R, Lord of the Rings, Lorecast. And we've got some new reviews. Uh, I'm going to try and do them in the middle here. There's a good number, but I think we can get through them fairly quickly. So they're not, some of them aren't as long as they always are, but we'll see. Here we go. We have D-Boy Canada from Canada who writes Amaze Ring. Hmm, that's a good one. Sorry for the lousy pun. I happen. It happens once one becomes a dad. Absolutely, yes, it does. It's just a, it's like a genetic trait that all of a sudden emerges. As a podcast, Robots has created a show with consistent new episodes, excellent audio quality, and awesome content. 
His delivery of what can be complicated content simplifies things to a level that even non-Tolkien fans can understand the overall story and world. Please keep up the great work. I appreciate it. For those people on the fence about joining Robots Patreon, do so. The bonus content is also amazing. I see what you did there. Thank you for the kind words, uh, D-Boy. Then we have one from J Daniels 85 short and sweet, L-O-T-R, five stars. Very good, even when you have not read the books like myself. Awesome. Thank you for the review. Then we have Monster I-O-O-I from the U.S. who writes, beautifully done, five stars. I love this podcast. I've been a L-O-T-R fan since I was six and saw the poster of the Peter Jackson rendition. Ever since then, I have watched the trilogy and delved into the works of Tolkien and many other Tolkien-inspired works of fantasy. Thank you for making the Silmarillion easier to understand and giving more the mere facts, but good insight and great interpretation. Thank you for bringing a difficult book to me to read to life. As a Christian, some of the connections you have drawn, I never even saw. And it's been so cool to hear you unbiasedly bring in the different connections and points and point out different possible interpretations that may have given Tolkien his ideas. Thank you for this gift. I plan on continuing to enjoy this podcast as long as it's produced. P.S. Don't worry about pronunciation. Definitely no judgment here. Barak Kazad. <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah, that's my Achilles heel, huh? Then we have Frenchy Taz from Australia who writes, Don't look further. Mold is broken. This is the best L.O.T.R. podcast. Five stars. Hi, Tom. So happy to have found you and your L.O.T.R. lore cast two weeks ago while looking for a good podcast about the amazing world of Tolkien. I have binged on most of the past episodes, including bonuses while working and then reading the Silmarillion in my spare time. Just finished episode 24. I'm a French expat living in Tasmania, Australia. That sounds awesome. And discovered Tolkien's work first in French while Peter Jackson posted the first low res video previews on a then very young and slow internet. Oh God, I remember those days. Read The Hobbit and LOTR and finished it still in French after moving to Australia while waiting with my book in the queue for the Return of the King movie. I have failed many times trying to read the Silmarillion, both in French and English. Man, I wish I was multilingual. It would be so cool to get a different perspective on something by reading it in a different language. But I'm happy to say that your fantastic contribution made finally the doors of Arda open wide to me, and I'm once again transported to Middle Earth. So thank you so much for sharing your passion with us all. Hobbits of the Shire. <laughs> awesome. Frenchy Taz, th that's awesome. Thank you so much. It's so cool to, I mean, even though we haven't really met, I mean, we might meet, maybe come hang out with me on my live stream and you can say hi and we'll get to know each other a little bit better or join the discord. But it's so, it's so neat to hear about different people's lives that are so different from my own. Thank you for taking the time to write that. Then we have Riles79 in Great Britain who writes, amazing in-depth look at Tolkien lore. As someone who grew up on LOTR at the age of 42, I'm so happy to have discovered this podcast that breaks down the lore in a way that's fun to listen to, flows really well, and isn't overly complicated. Keep up the fantastic work, robots. Martin Riley, Carlisle, England. Martin, thank you so much for that. We've got a few more left. This one is from Lord Crossell in the United States, who writes, binge-worthy podcast. Wow, five stars. I was searching for a podcast after finishing the first season of The Rings of Power to get deeper into the lore and backstory. This was the first that I tried and hit the jackpot. Tom does a great job of not just telling the story, but engaging the imagination of the listener. Well done. Then we have, uh, thank you, Lord. Uh, thank you, Lord, my Lord. Then we have 
Meldan from Australia writes, too good, five stars. This show teaches me so much about the Lord of the Rings. Definitely recommend it to any fan. Thank you so much. Then we have Mike Nichols from Great Britain who writes, highly recommended, absolutely loving this podcast. I've listened to nine episodes in the last four days and it has been a fantastic companion as I read the Silmarillion for the first time. Thanks so much for doing these. You're welcome, Mike. And last one, Phineas S. from the U.S. who writes, Sensational. Robots does an excellent job of detailing out the mythology in a way that's easy to understand, interesting, and fun to listen to. I've knocked out over half these episodes in about three days. (laughs) Holy moly. I simply cannot get enough. Incredibly well done. A 10 out of 10 recommendation for all who would like to dive a little deeper into the lore. Thank you to everybody. You guys are amazing. All right. I'm not going to keep you waiting anymore. Let's analyze the text that we just read. Here we go. All right. So how how wonderful were all the words there? <laughs> I don't even know how to say that. The text is so good. It's dense. But once you get used to the way this is written, it's so good. It's so dense with stuff. Like, I think I was spoiled as a teenager because I read so much of Tolkien's work back then. And that was my entry into really reading. I think I've mentioned this on the show before. I hated reading as a kid. When I was in fifth grade, I picked up The Hobbit. And it read differently than the other children's books that I was reading. I felt like it wasn't talking down to me. And then The Lord of the Rings was difficult for me to get through in middle school. It was hard. And then by high school, I was reading The Silmarillion. By college, I was reading all of those extra books that Christopher Tolkien started putting out. And every, every paragraph is packed with density. And I think it's in some ways spoiled me to other reading because I feel like Since every word is so important in Tolkien's writings, it's rare to find another author who fills their words so densely with importance. I feel like in a lot of other works, there's just fluff. (laughs) It's it's a lot of a lot of saying things, a lot of noise and commotion, but very little actual important content in here. It's it's just all dense with stuff. We have the beginning where it talks about how they had a period of joy and then Karkaroth is getting more deadly. So they put together and this is like I I considered doing this in the episode using this as the intro, this like montage of the greatest soldiers in the land, right? Like they're they're pro team and you've got. Mayblung the heavy hand and Belig's strongbow like he's you got you can imagine Mayblung the heavy hand with his like heavy armor and his big old axe or hammer or whatever he's named heavy hand for specifically in this moment and then you have the bow guy <laughs> Belig's strongbow in the back sniping sniping at whatever I mean they're just fighting one monster but like if this was a movie if if Peter Jackson was filming this, there would be orcs and stuff, too, of course. Right. And they would be slaughtering all the orcs in order to get to the big monster. And so Bellad would, of course, he'd be the Legolas character, like sniping them all in the face. Right. And then Baron, who's Baron and, you know, good at fighting things in the forest and probably running around with a sword or something. Right. And then the king himself among them on a steed with some fancy elven spear or something like running down evil orcs while trying to chase down this monster. And of course, Huan, 
the goodest boy. We get the end of his story here. And man, like now you now you understand why Huan is such a cool character. Like he's such an important character. And he he fits basically into this story. He's part of the part of the way this goes, but he has a very important role. We also get the um the representation here. I guess it's the the simile or the metaphor for uh, it depends on how you phrase the sentence, but the representation of Belig representing the Lords of the West, the Valar, all that is good, and Karkaroth representing Morgoth, and all that is corrupted. And the fact that they are still a match for each other. Huan brings Karkaroth down, but Karkaroth, especially with the power of the Silmaril in him, brings Huan down as well. They cancel each other out. And this isn't it's this is one of those things that makes me wonder like is this something that's supposed to be emblematic or thematically tied to the nature of existence between the Valar and Morgoth and we know we know from the way the stories spoilers we know that from the way the stories go in the end of the first age that Morgoth gets chained and sent beyond the the world we also know that Tolkien had in mind an end times scenario, the end of everything, where Morgoth returns. And the world is basically, I mean, there was one, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put this in the bonus episode and we're going to go over this in the bonus episode. I don't think I've done that yet. I'm getting to the point now where I'm starting to wonder like, which things did I do? Which things did I not do? But there's one scenario specifically where Morgoth is brought back into the world at the end of time and the side of good fights him and the world is kind of broken amidst that and i have to wonder is this like a mini representation of this weird balance of power between the those that are good those that are doing the will of iluvatar and morgoth and the corruption and the only reason why I doubt that interpretation is because Iluvatar's will wins out in the end. We know, quote, the good guys win. So in this situation, Huan doesn't win. They tie. It's a tie. But the reason why I think this might be representative of the, the nature of the world, the way things are, is because for most of existence... It feels like a tie. It is a very, very dire struggling between these two sides. The elves and Morgoth, the, uh, the, the events during the second and third age, the way that things seem to be declining and Sauron almost takes over again. All of that is this very strong back and forth for the majority of what we know of written history. The good guys don't just trample the bad guys. The good guys... Pull it out in the end, but in the meantime, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's a toss up. And so maybe this is representative of that. I don't know. This is me just kind of spitballing here with this, but I, I feel like there's, there's importance and there's a reason why this was written the way it was. So we have the clashing of, of the hunters and the, the pulling out, uh, trying to get Karkaroth to come out and eventually Huan is able to take him down. But Baron protects Thingol. This is an important point. He's noble and good and decides to protect Thingol, even though Thingol has put him through all of this terribleness. He's still a good man. He gives his life to save 
the elven king. And in his last few moments, he fades away. He he's, he's dying. They can't heal him. And Luthien is there with him in this, this final moment. And we're told that it breaks her. She falls into darkness. This is the same symbology or I guess the same uh, almost like exact uh, series of events that Elrond in the in the films is warning his daughter about we have because Elrond knows the story he knows that in this amazing event of the pairing between a man and an elf and they're so deeply in love that when the man dies the elf will go into mourning it's very likely that if she truly loves him, she will go into mourning and she will wither away. And that's what happens here. Luthien loses the will to live. She isn't slain. She is exhausted with grief and her spirit goes into the West in order to go to the halls of Mandos or do the things the spirits do. And then we get this really interesting glimpse here of the freedom that these spirits have for their time while they're in those halls, we have Baron basically denying his ascent into the unknown. And I say ascent because it's the gift of Iluvatar. It's not a descent into death. It is an ascent into the hereafter, whatever comes for man, for mankind. And so he's basically holding himself back, almost like a like a ghost and keeping himself from death 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 like double death <laughs> like you know regular death and then he goes to the halls of mandos and then double death um and he does so long enough and it was probably a significant period of time for luthien to show up and then we have this moment where and and this just explains the importance of this story her song her pleading with mandos is so sorrowful that if of any of the Valar, aside for some, from somebody like Melkor, Morgoth, uh, who, who wouldn't be able to empathize and have sympathy. Mandos is not supposed to. He's supposed to just do what he's supposed to do, right? He has a job. He does his job. He proclaims doom sometimes, but for most of the time he's tending the halls, putting people where they're supposed to go, their spirits or whatever. And for the first time ever, and only this time ever, has sympathy for her. And he goes to Manway. He basically goes to the boss and he's like, hey, boss, I got this weird situation here. Uh, these these two, uh, this Baron guy and this Luthien uh, elf lady uh, have done basically the, uh, uh, the, the unachievable. They've kind of done the thing that nobody expected anyone would ever be able to achieve. They challenged. Yeah, they challenged Melkor. Yeah, Morgoth. Yeah, that's what they call him now. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they challenged him. Uh, it took one of the Silmarils back and uh, basically survived it. Uh, Baron died at the very end, but was able to achieve the goal. And Luthien survived and eventually died too. But yeah, they, yes, uh, yeah, a mortal man and an elf challenged the the Dark Lord. Yep, big scary guy. We've been fighting for him, with him for eons now. Yeah, it's pretty impressive, huh? Right, okay, cool. So maybe we can do something special for them? All right, let's... Let's put something together. I think that's maybe how the conversation went from Mandos' side. Um, and so they're given an option that nobody else has ever given. And basically she's told like, well, you can come live with us in here in Valinar. We'll bring your spirit out of the halls. But Baron can't because he has to die. 
He can't just live here forever. And it doesn't really work. Human spirits turned flesh in Valinor. It's not going to work out. Or we can send you back. And this isn't the only time somebody gets sent back, by the way. Foreshadows. Uh, we can send you back. You guys can live out the rest of your lives. Who knows what will happen? Maybe it'll be terrible. Maybe it'll be great. But you're no longer going to be... Uh, you're no longer going to function like an elf. You're not going to come back here, back to the halls, and then back to Valinor. You're going to basically be like him. And you'll get your wish. You can be together forever, but you have to go with him beyond the edges of the world into death and whatever that holds. And we don't know what that is because we are not out there. Only Iluvatar knows. And so, yeah, it's kind of spooky, kind of crazy, but it's supposed to be a gift. So you cool with that? And of course, Luthien chooses that. And I love that all, all of this part of the story, it's all focused on her. We get this thing where Baron resists leaving the world. So good on him. But so much of the story is still focused on Luthien. She is in Tolkien's mind. And this is one of those things that gets me so much reading an author who lived, who was born over a hundred years ago. And the, the way he treats women in his stories and they don't, they don't always come up. His stories, by and large, are primarily about the males in the story. But when women do show up as a focus, they are strong and legitimate characters in their own right. And Luthien here has to make this difficult choice. And she does. The other thing I think is awesome about this whole situation is the song she sings. And how it, it again, is these like, it's the most beautiful it's the most sorrowful. And so they still sing it in Valinar. It's a banger. It's It's been in the top 10 for like ages of the world now. They're all just like chilling out to Luthien's song. Do you think they could record it with some sort of magical device and maybe play it back? I don't know. I'm picturing like flowers that work like uh, speakers. They're kind of just like, here's Luthien's tune. Oh yeah, that's my favorite. Um, I don't know. Such cool stuff. <laughs> I think that's all I've got for this episode. There's actually more about Baron Luthien, and there are variations on this story in the book Christopher Tolkien put out, which covers the different versions of the story and how the story evolved. And then there's more about it in Unfinished Tales. So we will be coming back, and I don't know if I haven't quite figured it all out, I'm going to schedule it yet, but this, these topics, these characters, and the events from this are seminal and there's a reason we've spent so many weeks really digging into the details here this is at the core of so much of what tolkien did and uh so much else grew out of this whether before or after in the timeline so we'll be returning it's such a good story i hope you guys have enjoyed it thank you for being here with me for this and i look forward to tackling some more stuff with you guys next time so all right stay safe out there i'll see you guys next time Thanks for listening to the Lord of the Rings Lorecast. If you'd like to learn more about other fantasy worlds, check out my other podcasts, the Elder Scrolls Lorecast, the Witcher Lorecast, and more at robotsradio.net. If you'd like to reach out, I'd love to hear from you. Send me a note on Twitter at robots underscore radio or join our amazing community on the Robots Radio Discord. There are links in the show notes or just search Robots Radio Discord or find the link on robotsradio.net. I'll see you next time.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.